3: Justice Clarence Thomas is no stranger to being maligned by the left. He faced one of the nastiest and most evil character assassinations during his confirmation hearing. He famously said this about it, listen.
2: I think that this today is a travesty. I think that it is disgusting. I think that this hearing should never occur in America. I think something is dreadfully wrong with this country when any person, any person in this free country would be subjected to this. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high tech lynching.
3: He's now once again on the receiving end of attacks from the left. This time, they are questioning his financial disclosures. It also comes at a time when other conservative justices are under attack by the media as well. This is clearly an orchestrated, coordinated attack to delegitimize the Supreme Court. So who's behind this smear of conservative justices, and what exactly are they trying to accomplish? Kerry Severino, president of JCN, and the author of Justice on Trial, joins me to get to the bottom of it. Stay tuned carrie it 's such an honor to have you on the show i 've worked in d c or did work i no longer you know work in d c but did work in politics long enough to know a coordinated attack when I see one we 've seen hits recently. On Justice Clarence Thomas, Gorsuch, Roberts, this is coordinated, is it not?
4: I mean, it, it, I think it's pretty obvious. Again, if you, you this this has all the hallmarks of that. Suddenly, out of the blue, we go from zero to sixty on people doing deep dives in and going through with a fine-tooth comb the financial files of uh, not every justice, but a select justices, and wouldn't you know it, all it's all the conservative justices. And then there's this, you know, staged release of the opinions and it's even interesting you know things like justice chief justice roberts is invited to testify uh before the senate judiciary committee which in itself is very unusual they want to try to question the chief justice and then as soon as he declines the next day there's a piece about his wife and suggesting that, you know, that her um, her job as a legal recruiter is somehow improper. So it's, it's all of these things are just very clearly targeting uh, the conservative justices in the court. And they're clearly, I think, there to try to intimidate the justices saying, hey, if you don't. Uh, follow the direction that we want. We finally don't have a court that is just doing the bidding of the left. Now we're gonna come after you and we're gonna try these personal attacks to delegitimize those justices and or remove them from the court or from the cases.
3: Why now, do you think?
4: I think it's no coincidence that we're seeing this at the same time as we are seeing the first time in living memory that we have a court that has a majority of originalist justices. For, again, a live, all of living memory, we've had a court that has been effectively willing to give the left what it wants on some of the major issues that come before it. Issues, in some cases, that are ones that should be decided in the uh, in the political realm, but that they can't get done what they want to. And so then they are relying on the court to play back up and and, and kind of get things over the finish line they couldn't get done legislatively and trying to open the doors for liberal policies to be enacted via the court. We have a court that's not playing that game. Their job is to look at the Constitution and what the law says. They know it. And so as soon as you have a court that isn't playing by by their game, they start attacking the court itself because they're so frustrated to see justices whose first... uh, duty is not to uh, trying to achieve these liberal policy goals, but really to the Constitution and the rule of law.
3: You no, know, we've seen attacks on the Supreme Court before, you know, throughout history. Are these attacks different than what we've seen before?
4: There have been examples in history where similar types of things have happened. I think we, we, we certainly have a focus on it more than... than other times I'm thinking of, you know, the, the the last big time we saw this that comes to mind might be when President uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was really frustrated with the court because uh, he's in, enacting all of his, uh, you know, New Deal programs. The court was saying, hey, you know, we, we think some of these have real constitutional problems. And he's going, how can I get rid of these justices? And that's when he proposed for the uh, first time, uh, you know, again, that I could think of a, just a purely political thing saying, let's pack the court. Let's add justices so that I, as the president, get to pick more of these justices to shift the direction the court is going. And even with a overwhelming majority and a huge mandate from the Democratic-controlled uh, Congress, he couldn't get that done because they said that's beyond the pale. So we're seeing attacks like that uh, that failed so spectacularly in 1937 being brought back now but additional things as well, so that we're getting these personal attacks on the justices. I think we saw hints of this um, in Justice Thomas's confirmation in 1990s, in the... Um in the Justice uh, Kavanaugh confirmation in 2018. So all of these are sort of just increasing in volume and increasing in focus. And we're seeing things that I don't know have ever happened in American history, like the doxing of the justices, not just their homes, which is bad enough, but often their their places of worship, the places their children go to school, and that additional threat level. So it's not just a attack on them personally, their reputation, But even physically, and we saw, of course, an attempted assassination that we now know wasn't just targeting Justice uh, Kavanaugh, but actually was going to he was going to try to take out three justices that night if he was able to. So some of those things really are new, and to have the White House and d- Democratic members of the Senate um, really encouraging that type of behavior is makes it takes it again to the next level into something that I don't know that we've ever seen before.
3: To that point, I mean, you had Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer uh, on the Supreme Court steps in March of 2020 about Justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh saying that they had released the whirlwind, that they would pay the price if they continue to make awful decisions. And you had Sheldon Whitehouse not too long ago also attack the Supreme Court saying it is not well. The people know it. Perhaps the court can heal itself or basically making the threat that they'll have to do something about it. So just overt verbal threats even from our Democrat leaders.
4: Absolutely. It's really outrageous to see that. And then you ha- they have the guts to say, wow, there's something wrong because... For some reason, the American people believe there's an appearance of impropriety or they, they have record low levels of uh, confidence in the Supreme Court. And you're going, it's because you have been on. Now it, it's we're moving into several years of a focused campaign trying to tell the American people that the court is is uh, acting politically and is not uh, behaving properly, which is just lies. So they're trying to find, they're creating the problem itself of American people not trusting the court really to provide the excuse that they would need to do things like pack the court, uh, to do things like trying to, you know, there are talks about trying to even, add term limits on justices or create new ethical standards that really we we know are just a form of them trying to bully the justices because any of these ethical concerns is not something that's being applied even handedly they're basically inventing new ethics standards out of whole cloth is not people haven't run afoul of the actual ethics standards that are out there they're inventing new standards but they're only inventing them for a subset of the justices so all of these things. Uh, they're, they're really targeting the justices that they know are going to get attacked in the media and get attacked by these same unscrupulous members of Congress.
3: What do those duties look like for the Supreme Court justices to disclose finances? You know, what does that look like? And, and are any of these allegations that have been made against, you know, Thomas or some of the other justices, do any of these run afoul to what their responsibility is?
4: What we have seen, so justices do have, they, there's a one fallacy that's out there that's, in, again, intentional misrepresentation, suggesting that, wow, it's just the Wild West at the Supreme Court. They can do whatever the heck they want. There's nothing that governs it. That's not true. They do have annual disclosures they have to file. Uh, they do have a, a recusal statutes that do govern them and that they follow, um, and that they, they consult each other in terms of determining, okay, at, at what point should I recuse in this ca- type of case or that type of case? So there absolutely are standards that the justices are following. Now, are they followed perfectly every time? No, but what we're seeing here is nitpicking on errors Just as if any one of us, if you had someone, in in fact, not just someone, a team of someone's, a team of highly financed uh, from media, from dark money groups in the left wing, going through your tax returns, for example, and said with a fine tooth comb, I bet they could find a typo or two, right? Does that mean that you are somehow maliciously doing these things? No, it's just a complicated form. So what we've seen historically is absolutely there are justices who have forgotten to disclose things or incorrectly disclose things, but those justices actually do run the gamut. Justice Ginsburg, for example sat on dozens of cases, inadvertently, in which her husband owned stock. Now, normally, that would be just a Easy given if, if you or your spouse own stock and something you have to recuse. And I don't I don't think at all that for a minute she was voting differently in those cases because her husband owned stock. I don't think she knew or she would have recused herself. But it's that type of thing that when it happens to a left wing justice or Justice Jackson just neglected to disclose certain aspects of her income, her husband's medical malpractice work that she just forgot and then later amended her filings. And and that's viewed as kind of like, oh, okay, they just amended this. Great. And I think that's right. this it, This wasn't malicious. There wasn't real corruption. But those same levels of things on the right are being treated as if there is a corrupt mafia running the institution and that these justices are up for sale, which is patently false. And even when the Senate Judiciary Committee had a hearing last week talking about this, even the liberal... Um, witnesses on their side after making all of these suggestions and kind of eyebrow raising and and you know suggesting and inferring that these justices are up for sale when they were directly asked are you wait who are you saying has sold their votes who are you saying is actually corrupt the guys oh well, I didn't I know I wouldn't I wouldn't actually accuse them because that would be slanderous. I mean, that's not what's happening here. It's people trying to exploit um, minor issues or things that they're saying, hey, I wish the disclosure rules were different. You followed the rules, but I think you should disclose more. Okay, we can talk about that, but don't pretend that people who followed the rules now somehow were doing something inappropriate when that's not true.
3: Let's take a quick commercial break. More with Carrie Severino on the other side.
0: sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com Toyota, let's go places have you heard about the social media platform for kids it's called Zigazoo it's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos
2: Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed oh.
0: <laughs>
2: Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today.
5: I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford...
3: Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person.
5: Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.
3: If you look at Joe Biden, it seems like some of the most discrediting and some of the biggest attacks on Supreme Court nominees or the Supreme Court itself have come under his watch. I mean, you look at right now, he's president of the United States. He's at the helm of two of the nastiest Supreme Court confirmation hearings, whether it was Clarence Thomas or Robert Bork. So, I mean, how much does that have to do with it?
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, Biden has been part of the ringleader of this crazy judicial intimidation circus from day one. I mean, he was around... During the Bork era, even I mean, this is like very early on in this process. He was leading the Judiciary Committee during the Thomas hearings. He has he is definitely part of the problem. Uh, so, and we're seeing uh, under his administration things like him going from saying court packing is a bonehead idea, which was correct. That's what he said in 1982. To then saying, actually, maybe it's something we should consider. Well, we should consider it when maybe it gives me extra people to put on the court, right? It's it's a very clear shift there. Um, you've seen him, you know, tell say one thing about Justice Thomas, don't worry. I, I realize these charges are, you know, unfounded, and then going and helping uh, lead the three-wing circus uh, against him, during his confirmation hearings, he is willing to play multiple sides of it. You know, when justices were being doxxed again and people are making threats against them, you had his uh, spokeswoman saying, uh, you know, we wish we really support people's First Amendment rights and, we, and, we're, and we're proud of the American right to protest. What is the message being sent when people are violating federal law by trying to intimidate the justices regarding a... Active case because they were doing this intentionally to try to change the justices' vote on the Dobbs opinion last year. Um, they they basically said we we support this we endorse this and that's that is a huge message that's being sent. By this administration, and I, I think the, the bottom line is he's willing to say and do whatever it is to get more power, including more power over the Supreme Court.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about ethics, uh, Joe Biden has none. And if there, <laughs> you know if there's any question that this isn't coordinated, you had mentioned the Senate Judiciary's committee hearing called Supreme Court ethics reform after these articles had surfaced. So you know, it clearly is this coordinated a- attempt. Uh, you know, Carrie, from your perspective, obviously, you follow this closer than anyone in the Supreme Court. Has this impacted any of the decision making, these threats, the you know, people outside of the justices' homes or, or even assassination attempt? Have you noticed? Ha- has it been working, this intimidation?
4: You know, I, I think it definitely it clearly didn't in the case of the Dobbs decision. Right. We saw a decision that was leaked May 2nd last year and then came out uh, in substantially the same form. Uh, at the end of June, June 24th. And they, I think they were consciously saying, we are not going to bow to this pressure. There were, there were some changes that were just, not changes, additions addressing concerns brought up by the dissent, for example, that wasn't available at the time. But they basically said, no, we are not changing our position. And I, um, I think that's the, what the ju- the court has been doing. Now, one thing that I wonder is, is this slowing down their work? We've seen this court, this term has been one of the slowest release of opinions. We have tons of opinions still to come out. And there's really just over a month left and maybe some of the extra security protocols and the extra difficulty of knowing who they can trust even internally maybe i think that that could be slowing down the ability to work i think there has to be trust rebuilt within the court itself uh amongst each other amongst the clerks and and the staff and i think that is a real shame and a tragedy i i worry that it could influence justices saying hey this is you know there's a whole lot of really important issues that are always coming up i hope they're not looking at cases going Wow, that is an issue that in a vacuum I would say the court has to address, but we just don't need any more pressure this year. I, I hope that's not happening, but we know 100% that is the goal of all of this. They know that, for example, these threats against Justice Thomas, like trying to get him to move, come on, nobody can move Justice Thomas from what he knows is the right thing mandated by the Constitution. That man has a spine of of steel. But... I think they're trying to hope to influence the other justices and say, maybe we just want to stay a little farther back here. I don't think that has worked, but I want I think we need to be really uh, out there ensuring that it doesn't have a chance to work and that people shouldn't be. Uh, keeping this kind of pressure up because no one, for the sake of doing their job and enforcing the Constitution, should have to sacrifice their personal privacy and the safety of themselves and their family.
3: Well, and, you know, not many people have the kind of integrity Justice Clarence does or can face this sort of character assassination that he faced, you know, even from the beginning. During his confirmation hearings uh, up until, you know, this point, not that many people are that rock ribbed and just strong in their beliefs to be able to withstand that kind of slander.
4: Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think it it, it it has so many layers to it because they love to make his life miserable. I, mean, I feel like that's bonus points for them. But it sends a message to other judges, justices. It sends a message to other judges who might one day think, OK, I I could theoretically be aligned for the Supreme Court. Do I want that? position, you know, am I do I want to put my family and my own reputation and life through the ringer that it's going to be to to in order to do that. And uh, again, that shouldn't be part of the calculus. Uh, we want our our best men and women on the bench to want this job and not to say, "Okay, I'm going to take this knowing that I'm it's I'm going to have to like sacrifice myself on the altar of the Constitution." This isn't that 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 shouldn't be the cost we are demanding. And we should be requiring Our representatives, especially you think, gosh, these these senators, these supposed to be representing the American people. I know there are are radicals out there who really do want the court intimidated, but I don't think that's where most of America is. And I think that those people who are part of this process ought to be held to account. And the American people should stand up, just like it did in 1937, to say, you know what? Okay, politics is politics. And maybe I don't agree with some of the decisions the court makes, but no one should be trying to undermine the institution of the court the way that they are and trying to drag the good names of our justices through the mud.
3: That's really the point in the direction all this is heading, is as you pointed that, you know, good candidates might be like, hey, this isn't worth it. You know, I I don't wanna have to go through this. I mean that's why they're doing this to Trump as well, why they've tried to destroy his life so that future Republican candidates are like, you know what, I just this isn't worth it. I don't want to drag my family through the mud. I don't drag myself through the mud. And, you know, it's the intimidation factor that they're intentionally trying to do. I do worry that it, it'll it'll work in the future. I'm sure people have probably given pause to stick their neck out there in these various positions.
4: This is not the way um, an, our American system of the rule of law should operate. Uh, the reason our Constitution gave justices life tenure was so that they would be able to have an independent judgment, that they wouldn't have to rule on cases thinking, okay, I don't want to make this person mad because I might need to ask them for a job later. I don't want to, uh, you know, alienate this industry or this, you know, this party because I'm going to be back in the loop again sometime. They said, you know, we want you off the table. You are just focusing on doing what's right as a matter of law. So our Constitution realized we want people to be independent thinkers and not be prone to. Um, to having to to make people happy. Here's the challenge. They're still trying to use whatever levers of power they can. And it's it's increasingly people are saying the quiet part out loud. And you've got people on the left tweeting about and writing about how, yeah, the goal should be to try to make them worried either for their safety or for their um for, for their good name. We should our goal should be to cancel people and drum them out of polite society. They shouldn't be allowed to speak at a law school, go out to dinner, you know, you name it because we, we we want them to be punished for their uh, positions, that is contrary to our, how our Constitution envisions that role uh, of trying to have someone independent. And I, I I I think the justices we do have are going to you know still try to st- stay the course and stay firm. But we should not make that harder for them in the process. We want our court to be uh, free of that pressure. And just think about it, particularly with respect to the threats to security. And now you have the senators who are, again, just, they said, well, if if you're not going to adopt the ethics code that we want, maybe we'll just cut your funding. And, And Oh, coincidentally, we're going to cut it the same amount of the funding that you're asking for security increases for the court. You know why they need the security increases? Because of this intimidation campaign. And so it's almost making this direct link of if you don't do what we want, we're going to put your security at risk. That is the kind of intimidation and, you know, problems with separation of powers. I might expect somewhere like a Venezuela. I might expect that in Cuba, threats from, you know, the administration or from the legislature to the court. If you don't do what we want, your safety is at risk. We might not be able to protect you. That's not what I would expect in the United States of America. We want our justices to be making their decisions based on what they know to be right according to the rule of law or their best estimate of that, their their best understanding of what the law requires, not based on I am concerned for what will happen to me personally if I rule one way or the other.
3: Although we're very increasingly looking like a different country than our founding fathers had envisioned and unfortunately looking you know, closer to Venezuela or China or some of these other authoritarian nations in a variety of ways. You'd mentioned some of the, the intimidation. I mean, we saw senators face this as well during the, the Kavanaugh confirmation hearing. I mean, I know that I got incredibly fired up during that because not only is it wrong to smear an innocent man, which he clearly was and and it was very clear that Christine Ford was lying. But you know, we had senators face death threats, have to have security during that time period as well. I mean, they their lives were
4: threatened. Yeah, and some of this comes from the um, the over uh, the 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 hyper rhetoric about these things. People saying, "Oh my gosh, these justices are trying to end democracy as we know it." So you kind of amp this up. And look, we know that in, even in terms of some of the people who are doing these protests, or even the ones in front of their homes. I, thank God the vast majority of the people aren't actually violent. But we also know there are crazy people out there. When you see this kind of uh, rhetoric and you and you tell these lies about people, is it surprising that you do get every once in a while a crazy person who then, you know, packs his bags, puts in the zip ties and the gun and the knife and the everything and flies across the country hoping to kill a justice—that is, you know—it is really reckless. And to have, as we talked about before, members of the Senate who are throwing these threats out there and who are telling lies, saying that these justices are actually just, you know, bought and paid for—and this is—that's—that is, you know, criminal. And it's—it's it's incredibly destructive to our our national fabric to be trying to seed this, uh, you know, these lies into the American people. We should be trying to encourage them to uh, to support the justices. And, we, and if you have arguments you want to make before the court, great. There are ways to do that. That's why we have a, a adversary process. There's always strong arguments on both sides of these important cases. Make your arguments to the justices in the courtroom. Don't try to make it to them uh, with threats on their front lawn.
3: Quick break and then more on the effort to delegitimize the Supreme Court.
1: Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever.
3: Is that the rule of law under attack? I mean, I think most conservatives at least would say that we have an unequal application of the law if you look at the way, you know, the January 6 defendants are being treated versus, you know, the George Floyd rioters, or you look at what they've done to, to pro-lifers in America while seemingly disinterested in, in fighting people who are firebombing. Pregnancy centers or the treatment of Hillary Clinton versus the treatment of Trump. people You know, like there's just so many examples of this broader sentiment that there is no equal application of the law anymore and it is being weaponized against us.
4: Yeah, I mean, that that is why the Supreme Court is so important to have in there as a check, uh, because there are and, and, you know, unfortunately, there's in any system, this is why we have the constitutional system we do, because the founders knew there is that temptation. Anytime you put a human being with this level of authority, there's going to be the, the temptation to say, weaponize it against your political enemies and not against your friends. This is why, for example, the First Amendment is supposed to be so strictly you know, F- equal, viewpoint neutral, so you don't have the government saying some speech is more equal than others, right? We're to let some people speak, but not others. We need to be able to have this apply across the board. And so the Supreme Court's role is often to step in and say, OK, wait a minute, you know, I might even agree with what these people are saying, but I'm not, I'm not going to allow them to weaponize the government. And we need to ensure that due process is being done, the law is being fairly applied or, you know, you fill in the blank issue that we're seeing um, happen. One of the key factors in the, of a rule of law is that Laws, the same laws apply to people regardless of whether you agree or disagree, regardless of whether they are a minority group or a majority group. And I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of aspects of our society that are. Really, calling that into question right now. This uh, the idea of even-handedness, whether it's the First Amendment and free speech, or freedom of religion, or even the Fourteenth Amendment and equal protection. Hey, well, some races are more equal than others. No, nope, nope, that's not <laughs> that's not what uh, the Fourteenth Amendment says. And uh, you know, it, regardless of whether you say, well, I've got benign reasons for applying it, it this way because I think I'm trying to just help good groups. Well, you're like, okay, great, but that's again, that's not the rule of law. Rule of law means we have to apply. All of these things, even-handedly and equally across the board. So, um, I, th- I think that's why it's so important to have a court that can be independent and can provide that check when uh, the elected branches aren't, uh, maybe, maybe don't follow their better angels in these cases and are allowing uh, themselves to, to weaponize our system.
3: I understand that point. I guess what. Concerns me is, you know, we live in a country where it seems like, you know, some percentage of the country believes in the Constitution, uh, adheres to the Constitution. While the other percentage, they want to set it on fire.
4: Some of these really outspoken people on the left, um, I, I, you've heard even again, they're saying the quiet part out loud. It's explicitly saying, "Hey, the Constitution is is trash and and you know needs to be changed or gotten rid of." And it, that's that is really dangerous. I think there's people who are treating the Constitution as a speed bump in terms of getting to where they want to go rather than actually recognizing that the values it represents are important. And, you know, that can happen on either side. And there are some people in the extremes on either side who who forget that these protections are here to protect all of us. And we need to hold them even handedly. I think the challenge is trying to I, I, I do think most Americans, even those on the on, uh, you know, on the left, where people are some people are saying the Constitution needs to be shifted or changed if it's getting in the way of us enacting the policies we want. I think at the end of the day, most people do respect that. And I think this is part of the reason it's so important to make sure that we are actually teaching real civics to our kids. Because these are such important lessons that, hey, even if we disagree on how to get to whatever result, we have to respect our constitutional system in the process. And I'm not sure that's being taught to our kids the way it was taught when when we were in school. So I think it's it's so important for them to learn that th- those values are Core to our system and to into it being able to function, and that's what allows us then to talk to our neighbors to try to you know adamantly argue for our our opinions about the best policies, while recognizing um, you know the, the the that their opinions actually get get to be heard in the public as well. That's, that is not appreciated as well as it should be nowadays. And I am hoping that we can do our best to reignite these values. Because I do think that's what most people want at the end of the day, if they can stop and really think through the implications of these different systems.
3: I do think it's with intention that kids are not being taught some of these things because a a dumb society is more easily indoctrinated. And I think that's the intention of what's happening in a lot of our schools these days. And and to your point, it it does seem like, you know, these attacks have been going on for a long time, but it's just more overt now. I mean, there's, there's no, they're, they're saying the quiet part out loud. There's no intention anymore to try to conceal the attacks. It's just out in the open.
4: Yeah. In some ways it makes it easier because it's like, wow, I, I don't have to tell you that this is their goal because they're saying it. Right. Um, but I, I hope that maybe some people that will give some people pause and say, wait, is that is that really how I want to live? Is that really the the society that I want my children growing up in? Um, I, I, I just hope that we can, you know, turn that that around and, and remind people of those key foundational values before uh, before it's too late, before we lose them.
3: Why do you think they haven't been able to find the Dobbs leaker? It, it doesn't seem like that would be that hard to be able to track the individual down.
4: Well, it's interesting. Justice Alito just gave an interview in which he suggested that he pretty much knows who the Dobbs leaker is. And if he knows, I'm sure all the justices have a pretty good idea. I think their challenge is they don't have enough evidence to prove it. Uh, to enough level that that they would be able to, it, consistent with due process, actually publicize that person's name or really bring them to justice. Because we know that they have committed uh, it, it, multiple, I'm sure, different uh, potentially criminal offenses by leaking that. And it's interesting when the Marshal, uh, the US Marshals gave the report on it, they listed all of the different statutes that were uh, potentially violated. By this leaker. So, this is someone who, um, in order to be really brought to justice, they're going to need an extra level of proof against, I think. Um, I think my guess is that not enough was done quickly enough. Um, I think what we've seen from some of the Marshall's report and the information out there is that there were not enough uh, procedures in place that would have allowed them to collect that evidence. I'm I'm assuming those procedures have been put in place now so that you would know, say, who's printed or saved to file or be able to follow the complete chain of custody of those documents um, in a way that they just didn't have in the system at all, which, um, unfortunately, I think the court really wasn't up to its game on the security. But I think... um, I'm sure they're implementing some of those things now. I hope it's not too late, but I think they really did miss their main window for finding the person when everyone was still in the building uh, because by now, you know the, those clerks who were working that year and the assumption it is a clerk and even uh, some of the more shorter terms chamber staff will have been gone, long gone from the court uh, at this point. So how do you have any more leverage over them? And we know that the staff of the court was all asked to swear under oath that they didn't have any knowledge of, of what happened. So someone out there has perjured him or herself, assuming it, it, that it was uh, an internal uh, court employee, which I think is almost almost certain. So um, I, that's, it's going to be a real challenge. I think at this point, we might not find out until that person um, outs him or herself, and that might be you know they, they're going to have to wait till after the statute of limitations runs on these crimes they have committed if they don't want to get in a lot of trouble so i think they're they're going to wait till they can cash in their New York Times best bestselling uh, tell all, but it might not be for many years <laughs> to come if they uh, if they have to wait till, you know, the, the statute of limitations runs on their actions here.
3: I feel like which this is just speculation. Uh, obviously I obviously have no insider knowledge on it, but I feel like it was a leftist justice. And that's why there is such an effort to conceal it. I think if it was a staffer, they would have thrown that individual under the bus. That's just my own. I literally have just purely speculative. <laughs> I've got nothing, nothing to back it up besides uh, gut. So.
4: I, I, well, we know. Well, look, we know there are justices who regularly leaked the press because we have seen reports. Uh, you know, there was a book recently by a CNN reporter that clearly has and, and and going through from the Obamacare case on, we've had indications of what was going on behind closed doors that clearly only a justice would have known. So there are leakers among the justices, and that's a real concern. What Justice Alito suggested, and and maybe he's optimistic in this, he said, well, gosh... This is something that literally put the lives of six of the justices at risk. And he was responding to the fact that some people have just laughably suggested maybe he was the leaker or something. I'm like, he's like, uh, you yeah, know, I had to go into hiding because of this leak. I don't think I would have leaked uh, that that opinion, even to try to keep a justice from flipping at the last minute. And uh, so what he, I think, was saying there, too, is. If it was a justice, it was a justice who was acting with complete reckless disregard for the lives of their colleagues. I think um, to me that suggests a little more it was a clerk because it was clearly a very naive move that, from someone who did not have a real interest in the institution of the court or even in the safety of the other justices. But, you know, that maybe that doesn't rule that, that out. I think I, I hope we know someday, but it might not be for a while yet.
3: You know, before we go, Carrie, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Americans are are facing a lot right now. You know, the, their minds are on being able to put food on the table, all these different issues that are, are before them. Why is it important for people to be paying attention to maintaining the integrity of, of the Supreme Court?
4: Well, whatever other issues you are concerned about, and obviously, you know, if you th- this is the challenge in in a situation where we are right now, where the economy is so bad, people are having a lot of, you know, big deal issues but all of those these problems ultimately if we don't have a functional supreme court we are not going to have that check that's going to keep the constitutional system in place that's going to make sure that we have a country where you can be you know working in safety trying to recover our economy the rule of law is the reason we ha- we have had a good economy compared worldwide standards um up until now, if we lose that, we're going to lose all of these things. So whatever issue it is that you are really concerned about, um, you know whether it's life, whether it's you know your your right to keep and bear arms, whether it's equal protection, whether you know whether it's uh, the overgrowth of the administrative state, which gets into all these different areas. That's what's underlying a lot of these problems. You saw issues with the, with the mandatory uh, COVID masking and vaccines, and you had issues with the um, with immigration laws going. You know, which, every which way you've had immigrations with the student loan uh, debt uh, things. All of these issues are, are coming back to the court because the court's the one that's making sure the government stays within the boundaries of what the Constitution lays out for it. So unfortunately, uh, we can't afford to allow the court to just be um, to slip into being a- again an instrument of the left imposing its um. It's its policies on the country because all of those things are going to go with it if the court's not willing to be a check on the on the uh, on the rest of the government. So I, I I think it's still such a key issue. And think about it, you know, President Trump had so many different initiatives he was working on. He had a lot of great executive orders, all this stuff. Those things are basically wiped out already. The only impact he, the biggest impact he had that still remains are the judges and the justices that he put on the court who will be there for a generation. The left is going crazy about it. That's why we're seeing such a focus. They're so angry at this lasting legacy that we have on the courts. And this is why we need to just keep on focusing on that in the future, because that is one of the most long-lasting and impactful things any president has the opportunity to do. So I'm very grateful we have that. But again, President Biden's trying to undo it every day, and he's nominating all sorts of crazy people. Uh, we just have to try to ele- continue to elect people who will bring us judges and justices who can continue to be that, that check on uh, our, our constitutional system.
3: What's also just really important as we see our liberties and freedoms under attack, and we are increasingly living in a, a chaotic world. We need things like the Supreme Court to maintain order, otherwise we will go the way of Venezuela and some of these other countries that we've mentioned, which seems to be the the dream of the left, but uh, would not be good for for anyone listening or us. So Carrie. Severino, president of JCN. I appreciate you taking the time to, to break down this important issue to the audience. Uh, I know you're busy, so I appreciate your time.
4: Thanks, Lisa. Good talking to you.
3: So that was Carrie Severino, president of JCN, uh, breaking down this attempt to delegitimize the court. I mean, we really can't have this happen as the Supreme Court is really one of the last institutions people have any faith in whatsoever. Uh, also pivotal to the rule of law in America. But I appreciate her joining the show. Appreciate you guys, as always, listening to the show. want to thank John Cassio, my producer, for putting it together every Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. Until next time.
2: Zigazoo has made me zigzag.